Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Here's our title for this third lesson. This is our final lesson in the series, Hello Neighbor. And it's just simply called Neighborhood Values. And we're going to talk about our values as a church. I'm going to just share three of them. We call them our core values. And here's the big idea for today. This, this is... Uh, what I want all of you to understand more clearly than you've ever understood it, and it goes like this, we value, um, we, we've, what we value, we do, excuse me. And so I know in my life what I value, I do, and I know you're doing what you value, and it never, ever changes, and you can take a look at your life, and whatever you're doing, whatever you're putting first, it's what you value. And I know growing up, my parents put some incredible values into me and into my brother's there's a couple of them I'm trying to get over or overcome. And they're not, they're not bad, but they're just messing me up still. And here's what I mean. Um, my mom, you know, they had seven boys and my mom and dad, nine, right? And my mom in her pantry, they had the wine cellar. It was right under the porch. My dad dug this hole. And we made this wine cellar. He had two 90-gallon barrels of wine, and we helped to make wine every year. But then there was all these shelves, and my mom went six deep with all the canned goods and all the box goods. And I just watched that and how she did it. So to this day, I have a pantry at our house and I go six deep on everything. And, and uh, sometimes the box goods, I only go four deep because I don't want them to get bad. And my wife laughs at me. My kids laugh at me. Company comes over and Gina says, you got to take a look at this. And she shows them the pantry. And then they mess with it because everything is faced and perfect. And they move things around and make things crooked. And the next time I go in there, I'm just like blown away, like who messed with my pantry? But here's the other thing, guys, that my mom always overcooked, and she cooked enough to where all of us could eat again the next day, and then we had leftovers again for about half of us the following day, and so she just overcooked, and I have that problem too. So even to this day, uh, if people are coming over our house, and let's say we're going to do a bunch of sides, but Gina says, why don't we get some pizza and some chicken? I say, okay, and then she sits me down because I have this problem. She says, do not over order. And she'll say, two pieces of pizza per person, two pieces of chicken. She says, and that's it. And I go, yes, ma'am. And, and I do the math. I multiply. And then when I go to call, this fear comes on me. And I go four pieces of pizza. I go four pieces of chicken. And I come home, and I'm sheepish. And I'm like, sorry, honey, I did it again. And she's like, when are you going to learn? I go, I don't know, because what you value, you do, right? And, and I've just got it. That's one value I want to try to loosen up on a little bit. But I have this fear of not having enough, and people are eating, and they're like, should I take a second piece? I don't know. Will there be enough for everybody else? And so I just want it just to be enough for everybody, right? So my number one spiritual value, number one spiritual value as Joe the Christian and Joe, Pastor Joe, my number one value is this, to bring as many people to Christ as I possibly can. That is my number one value. And when you look at our church values, we're going to look at three of them. All of them are based on that, that spiritual value. And we're going to look at a scripture to be our first scripture here in a moment. And you'll see it's one of my life verses. And many of you have the same life verse. And again, the reason I want to teach this, Borman, Warren, TCI, is I just want us to get these values into us because what you value, you do. So here's the first one we want to talk about. And it goes like this. We build bridges, not barriers. 
And a barrier is something that stops you. It's like you want to go, but you can't. So Gina and I were recently, we were driving to Boardman. We were going to meet some couples for dinner up there. And I left enough time. I, I, I freak out if I'm ever late. I can't be late anywhere. So I left the right time. And then we're on 680, and there's a detour. And, and, and they, they put a barrier up. I can't get off where I need to get off, and I can't go where I need to go. So I'm following this detour, and I'm a nervous wreck. And Gina's saying, don't speed, don't speed. Honey, I, I'm going to have to. we got to get there on time, man. we got to get there on time. And, and none of us like barriers. Well, if you were to ask me, what's the number one barrier in a church, number one barrier that stops churches from having people come the second time, I would say on friendliness. It's the number one barrier. And... Anybody here that's ever walked in a church that you didn't feel anybody even cared you were there, you know what I mean. Gina and I visited a church in California. I was so excited. I read some of the pastor's books, and we went to a service. We were out there, and I couldn't wait to get in there. We parked, and we walked in, and I passed tons of people, Gina and I. Not one person said hi to us. We found our seats. Nobody in the seats near to us said hi. I felt like I needed to become a greeter and just start greeting people, right? And, uh, and, and, and it just, I'll t- I don't know how to explain it to you, but I felt like, boy, if I lived here, I probably wouldn't come back. That's a barrier. And all of us know how that works for us in life, right? We, we, we like when it's friendly. We like when people are friendly. So recently, Gina and I were up at a hospital, and uh, we were just there to support someone, a friend, and uh, she put me on assignment because we went early. She said, find me a Diet Coke. And I said, okay, honey. I went to the vending machines. I couldn't find Diet Coke in the vending machines. I went to another level, couldn't find them. Went to the cafeteria. No, no, no Diet Coke. Not only that, they didn't have pop at all. And so I came back to Gina. I said, honey, I know you need caffeine, but there's just no, there's no Diet Coke anywhere. I can't find a pop in this hospital. So Gina pops up and goes to the desk, and there's a nurse there. And I walk with her. She says, hey, we're looking for, for some Diet Coke. Is there any? The lady goes, this is a non-pop hospital. And I said, but you're selling Hot Pockets and sugar energy drinks in your vending machines. Like, I didn't say it. I'm thinking that. Like, what's the difference, right? Pop might be better. Diet Pop, anyway. So, so uh, but this is what blew our minds. She looked at Gina and she said, you know what? Us nurses have a stash. She said, let me see if I can find you one. We're like, no, you don't have. Let me see if I can find She went, I don't know, seven minutes or so. She comes back with two cans of Diet Coke, and Gina was so happy. Gina said, we need to make this our hospital because it was so friendly. And that's what I love about believers. Do you know what the number one comment is when people visit our church for the first time? They go online and they, they make comments. I was greeted five times. I was greeted six times before I even arrived at my seat. And I can't believe how friendly the people are here. Guys, we, our, our volunteers, we call them our dream team. And Boardman here, can we give it up for our dream team and just thank them for the incredible job that they do? It's amazing. Hey, Boardman, Warren, here's, I'm going to deputize all of you to be greeters, all right? And, and of course, you can't officially wear the shirt till you go through training. But can we all smile and say hi to people and say, hey, it's, it's wonderful to see you. Welcome to church. It makes the biggest difference you can ever imagine. So take a look at the scripture. Here's why we don't want to put any barriers up. And there's tons of barriers. But 1 Corinthians 9.19, the apostle Paul, he says, though I am free and belong to no one. That means I'm a citizen of Rome, like, like being in America, they were free there. And he says, I'm a Christian, I love God, and I'm free in God, I'm on my way to heaven, I don't owe anybody anything. That's what he's saying, I don't owe anybody anything. But he says, I have made myself a slave, that means a servant, to everyone. Think about that, 
He says, I make myself a servant to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. I love this section of scripture. He's talking about winning people to Christ. And he's going to go on and explain it. So let's read a little further. Let's see what he's saying. Verse 21 says, to those not having the law, that would be someone that's not a Christian or a Jew, because we have Judeo-Christian values, right? And we believe in the Ten Commandments. But Paul would rub shoulders with people that didn't even know who God was, and he's rubbing shoulders with him. He says, I became, I became like one not having the law. Now he has to explain, because he's, you know, he's not doing drugs with him. He, he goes on to say, though, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So he says, I'm not sinning. But he goes on to say, so as to win those not having the law. Here's all he's saying. When I'm with non-Christians, they're going to do all kinds of things that I know are wrong but I'm not going to get in their face because how can they change anyway till they meet Jesus, right, is what he's saying. So he's saying, I'm not going to get in people's face. He goes, my goal is not to push them away. I want to pull them in. He goes on to say this, verse 22, to the weak, and he's talking about people's conscience, what they believe is allowable, what's not. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. He says, if something bugged them, I didn't do it because I knew it bugged them. He's not talking about compromising his Christianity, guys. He goes on to say, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might bring more to Christ. I might save more. And I got to thinking about this conscience issue. This is a big deal. And so today, it was a big deal back then. You know, Jewish people, even today, they won't eat pork. And so Paul, Paul knew he could eat pork because he used to be Jewish, but he knew now as a Christian he could eat it. So, for instance, if he was at Leo's, you know, uh, restaurant, he would, uh, he, he, if he was with Jewish people, he would order greens and beans and say, oh, no pork. I don't do pork. But if he was with some Christian friends or carrying out for home, he'd say, I'll have greens and beans and Put that sausage in there too, man. It's good with the sausage, right? And so he's just saying, I find out where someone's conscience is, and I do my best not to put a barrier up. I don't want to push them away. And I think you and I can do this in a hundred different ways. Um, we, we can act too Christianese and talk too Christianese in front of people and kind of turn them off before they're even ready. And so we want to make it a goal not to put any barriers. And we do that in so many ways here at Believers. I have had people get on my case so many times because I don't do politics or speak politics from the pulpit. And they'll go, you're wimpy. Why are you such a wimp? Why don't you get up there? Pastor so-and-so does it, and he does it, and he does that. And I go, guys, I'm not wimpy. I'm, I'm, no one's ever called me wimpy. I can say what I want to say, but here's why I do that. You guys may not have known this. This is miraculous. 40% of our church is Republican. 40% is Democrat. About 20% is independent, and we get along. Can we give it up that we give along, Borman? Come on, man. Yeah, we get along. We love each other in Christ, right? But if I get up here and give my opinion, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push a lot of people away, probably 60% of the people I'll push away one way or another, and nobody's really coming here to hear my opinion, right? Um, I, I want to give them something that's eternal, church, Jesus gospel, what I'm teaching, that's eternal. I can change their lives. And then let God change our politics if we need to. I tell people, I think I'm right, but I have no idea. I have my friends. We talk about what we believe with our friends, right? If you want to get political, get into a political party, go ahead. If you want to get involved in groups that are political, go ahead. I'm not saying not to do that, but just real quick, I want to throw it out there. Don't be mean on social media because as soon as you take that strong stance, you're pushing people away that you may never be able to win to Christ. So think about that. Do your best to build bridges because 
Kindness is a bridge. And just knowing, I don't want to do anything that's going to push people away, not compromise our, our, our walks. Here, here's the second, and I love the second one. Uh, it's no perfect people are allowed. And we love this. It's, it's on the billboards that are up in the Boardman area. No people, perfect people allowed. Believers, church, Boardman. It's really a cool statement. I want to help you understand why I think this is so important. Uh, number one, every one of us in this room can find somebody that we think we're more spiritual than, right? Isn't that pretty easy to do? And we can say we're here and they're here. But you know what? There's someone else that can do the same thing to us. And no matter who we are, there's some areas where God hasn't redeemed us and somebody else, he's redeemed them. He, you know, they're ahead of us. And, but here's what I learned, guys. If any of us were to compare ourselves to Jesus, he's here. And I don't care how spiritual we are, we're way down here. And that's not bad. We're holy and blameless in his sight in Christ. But as far as lifestyle goes, woo, we all have a lot that we have to work on. So it's just important to understand none of us are perfect. And I want to just share three reasons why this is so important. And it's going to make you smile. You're going to say, whoa, I'm so glad that God looks at me this way. Here's number one. Number one is God meets us in our mess. And we are all messy. So I've been watching, you know, uh, the, the Supreme Court judge and his nomina nomination. And I thought, boy, if they nominated me to be a Supreme Court judge and I had to go before Senate, they would shoot me dead. The things I did when I, before I was 19 years old and met Jesus, I, I would be shot down so quick that I would not have a chance at all. They would have 500 million witnesses to tell everybody, that guy was terrible, you know. <laughs> But I can be a pastor. Isn't that funny? I can be a pastor, though. Do you know why? Because we all know when I accepted Christ, I changed. And when you accepted Christ, you changed. But that's why this is so important. God meets us in our mess. If we don't come to church, how can, how can, how can God ever get to us? And so we're all messy. We all have baggage that we're bringing in. And I'm so thankful that God meets us in this mess. Listen to what Jesus said, Mark 2, 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. You know, he said this to religious people while he was having dinners with a bunch of sinners. So we're going to start a connect group here called Dinner with Sinners. It's going to be an incredible outreach tool, right, here at Believers. But, but Jesus is just letting us know we all have issues, we're all growing, and God meets us in our mess. Here's, here's the second reason right here. It takes time to clean up our mess, and that is true. I've been a Christian for over 40 years, and I still have areas of my life where God is growing me. I call it the Holy Spirit spotlight, and here's what I mean by that. It's just God revealing things, and every year, God picks a part of my life that he just shines a little light on, and he says, Joe, you've got to grow in this area. And then I work really hard, and I realize, man, I'm failing in this area. And then I overcome, and I'm like, yeah, I'm really spiritual. And then the Holy Spirit shows me another area, and I'm like, oh. And it's happened for 40 years. It's never, ever stopped. Now, before it was really big things, and now it's like attitude adjustments and some little things. But until the day I go to heaven, I'm going to be growing. And we have to understand that. This is a process. And I love this scripture. It reads like this, 1 Peter 2, 21, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk, that's the Bible, so that you will grow. That's a process, right? 
into a full experience that's maturing. And he says, cry out for this nourishment. It's something that's happening in every single one of our lives. And I don't know about you, but it makes me smile to know none of us are perfect, and this baby takes time. And I like to look back at the end of a year and say, wow, I built some spiritual muscles. I grew in this area. I'm much better in this area. And that's what God's doing in all our lives. Here, here's the third reason this is such so important. No perfect people allowed. Here it is. We must focus on our mess to help people with their mess. The idea is if I'm focusing on your mess and judging you, I'm, I'm ignoring the very problems that I have. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, don't point out the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in yours. He said, take that log out of your eyes. And here's the cool part. Then we can help our brother become free, right? And that's, that's what we want to do. We want to come to a place as a church to, hey, we realize everybody's coming in here with some baggage. We all have baggage. I have baggage. You have baggage. But here's the awesome thing. God's growing us. He's maturing us. And we're just helping everybody else get to that next level. That's why we say no perfect people are allowed. Here's the third one I want to deal with today. And this is, this is a favorite of mine. I love this one. And here it goes. You ready? We are generational. As a church, I love the fact that we have every generation represented. Every age group is just about equal. When we take our surveys, it blows my mind. And let me tell you what blows my mind the most. This is mind-blowing to me. We always will have young people in our church that are students because their parents bring them, right? So they're here because mom and dad brought them. And I remember kicking and crying all the way when I was a kid when mom and dad wanted me to go to church. But what we have here at Believers is we have kids that are college age, out of college, and they come here because they want to. We have these young couples that come here with their kids. And I look around, I see all these young couples with all these kids, and I think, wow, I'm turning 60 in December. And sometimes you think, wow, that's amazing. But here's what I learned. I learned that young people want a spiritual father. They just want that spiritual father to respect them and love them for who they are. And I look around, I know our children's ministry is a big part of that. And uh, man, let's give it up for our children's ministry and give it up for the panel last week with Gina. That was awesome, man. That's a big part. It's a big part, the friendliness, uh, all the things we do, it's a big part. But I came to learn this about 20 years ago. So that's right around 40. I realized that my number one job is to hand the baton off to the next generation. It doesn't mean God's not going to use us guys my age and older, but if we don't hand that baton off to the next generation, if we don't launch them into their ministries, then I feel like this is not successful. One of the most terrible things in the world to me would be for me to retire whenever that time's going to come and for believers not to go on. I put my whole life into it. I've been here 35 years. I started the church, been here 35 years. It would make me cry to think this baby died when I walked out. But it's not going to because we're generational. It's amazing to watch the young people and what they're doing in our church. So I had to make two mental adjustments about 20 years ago because I decided we're not going to have a church that dies. And here are the two adjustments I make. I made, and I want to share them with you. But listen, this is for all the parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, uncles, aunts. These adjustments will help you to reach the young people in your life. Because I really believe 
if we don't think about this, if somebody doesn't coach us, we're just going to put a barrier up with these young people and we won't reach that next generation. So this will work in your personal life too, but this is what we're doing as a church. And here's, here's number one. We think it's so important. We accept their culture. And that is huge to accept the culture of the next generation. How many of you remember um, growing up and your parents you know, not liking what you wore, not liking your hair. My mom and dad, man, they, my mom was born in Italy. She came here when she was 10. My dad's parents were immigrants. And my dad cut our hair, of course, seven boys. He couldn't afford to send us anywhere. And he gave us butches because he didn't know how to cut hair. And so he just clipped us and we had butches. And that wasn't in style, by the way. And so when I got old enough and I had a part-time job, I said, bye, Dad. And uh, I went to a beautician, you know, and I grew my hair out because long hair was really the thing. So I grew my hair out. And then I bought bell bottoms. Mom would never buy us bell bottoms. We had, and I had these platform shoes that were like three, four-inch heels. My bell bottoms, you know. My favorite pair of pants was, it was like a tablecloth, checker red, man. I just got into that with my platforms, you know, and, and then I bought tie-dye shirts, and mom would go, what's wrong with you kids? You look so sloppy. You're so bad. I can't believe you look like this. I'm ashamed of how you look, and she would get all over us, and I'd just smile and say, mom, it's okay, man. It's in style. I don't care about the styles. You don't look neat, honey. <clears throat> so I determined when I had children, I would not do that. I would accept culture. Because culture is, you know, what they'd wear, the music. So I'm going to accept culture. I'm not going to get on their case for culture because I didn't like it. I became a rebel because of that thing. And I thought, I'm not going to make my kids rebellious. And so uh, one day my daughter Deanna was listening to this music. And she was probably in junior high. And it was just grating my nerves. I don't know how to explain it to you. And I never heard music like this in my life. So I said, hey, honey, honey. I said, uh, what you listening to? She said, Dad, that's Screamo. And I said, what Screamo? She, she said, well, and then she started telling me what it was. In case you don't know, it's hard rock, which I like hard rock, so that was cool. But instead of singing, they screamed the words. And so it sounded like, and I thought, I can't sing on the worship team, but I could, I could be a star if I started a Screamo band. I could be absolutely awesome because I can scream. Man, I could do a good job with that. So here's what I said to Dan. I said, honey, that's great, but I don't know why. My nerves can't take it. So use headphones, okay, sweetie? And then I said, make, make, sure, make sure the lyrics are wholesome. Now you used to always tell my kids, make sure the lyrics are wholesome. Um, and then she said, Dad, it's a Christian screamo band. I said, who ever heard of a Christian screamo? That's a, that's, I need a new career, right? So, um, but I, I didn't push her away. I, I, I said, hey, that's culture. That's how culture changes. And I remember when Holes in the Jeans came out, I don't know, 10 years ago, there were some adults just flipping over that, you know. And so they'd come to me and say, can you believe they're wearing holes in their jeans? And I'd say, well... I mean, as long as the holes are in the right place, right? I mean, sometimes they can be in the wrong place. But I said, as long as they're in the right place, they're actually more modest than shorts, right? And, and, and so I would calm us down, us older people say, that's not bad. I mean, I'd buy a pair myself. You know, I actually have a little hole right here on this one. And uh, so, so uh, you know, it was, came that way, by the way. So I got to thinking, I got to thinking, man. If that was in style when I was a kid, I would have had it made because 
We had an asphalt playground, and I, I ripped my pants falling in the playground at least once a week. Mom and Dad couldn't afford pants that often, so Mom used iron-on patches. And, and I felt like a doofus because I walked around all the time with iron-on patches. It was my fault for falling, right? But I thought, wouldn't it have been cool if it was in style then? I would have been one of the coolest kids in school. That style just came too late for, for me. So I'm just helping you understand it. So I want you to think about this. Here at Believers... We lean young with our worship on purpose. We lean young. Now, we don't go junior high and high school because that would be a little too young for most adults. So, but we still lean young. And I don't know about you, but I love our worship here. It's absolutely amazing. And, but there was a time when I thought, oh, that's, that's a different sound. I don't like that sound. I didn't want to be like my brother Tony. When my, my brother Tony's girls were in, in um, junior high, he got mad because they were listening to the Hillsong. Can you imagine that? He just thought that music's not the right kind of music, and he's a musician, you know. So he took them for a ride in his van. I think they were living in Singapore at the time. He made them listen to the entire Doobies Brothers' greatest hits. <laughs> And he kept saying, this is real music, girls. This is real music. This is real music. I said, Tony, you're insane, man. Let them listen to Hillsong. That's great stuff. So here's what I learned. I learned that it's absolutely incredible, but the sound changes. I was 24 when I started Believers. Our worship leader was 23. And you know what we did? We just did the music of our day, and we rocked it, man. And, and then we got older, and it was hard to change. And I thought, I like this style, and this is a little different. But then when I changed, I thought, whoa, this is incredible worship. They have the best worship I've ever heard is happening today with these worship groups. It's absolutely amazing. And guess what, guys? You know what I love about our worship team? I love the fact we have younger people. We have people my age and around my age. It's awesome because when people come in, they see, hey, there's no barriers here. They're accepting every generation to be part of this church, and it's absolutely amazing. So we, we have to adjust how we think. And here's the next part, and this one I think is so important. We have to respect their gifts and callings because God gifts people, and at young ages, God will use people. I want you to think about a couple Bible stories here. This is amazing. You know, when David slayed Goliath, he was 17 years old. And the whole army, King Saul and the whole army, they were afraid of Goliath. David came to bring food to his brothers. He heard Goliath challenge the Israeli army, and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine. He doesn't have a covenant with God. He says, let me at him. And they're saying, you're just a little kid. He said, let me at him. He said, I can take him. And he, with a slingshot, he killed Goliath. And he just showed us that God will use us at any age. And I want to make sure our young people know that. I want us to respect them and know there's gifts in them. Do you remember Meshach, Ratchak, and Abednego, the book of Daniel? Uh, they, they, they were taken captive. They wouldn't worship the king. They wouldn't bow down to his statue. And the king said, if you don't bow down, I'm throwing you into this fiery furnace. And they said, you know what, king? We believe if you throw us in there, our God will deliver us. But if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to you. And he threw him in the fiery furnace. Remember the fourth man came in? That was Jesus. And everybody's saying, who's that for? fourth man, and, and, and the rope they had him tied with burnt off. They came out of there. They weren't burnt. Their clothes did not smell, and that king began to worship their God. He gave his heart to their God. Do you know they were 10 years old when they did that? Look at your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and understand that they are gifted of God. Look at these young people all around us. They are gifted of God. And one of the, my favorite stories in the Bible is Gideon. Guys, Gideon. 
Um, Israel was taken captive. This is during the book of Judges. And Gideon became the fifth of 12 judges. And a judge was like a king, but God used them. He raised them up. Israel was backslidden and they were conquered by other nations. He would raise up a judge. They They would lead the army and then they would rule. And so Gideon, this is an amazing story. He's about 20 years old. The Midianites had had invaded. They conquered the land. And uh, he was hiding. And the angel of the Lord came to him and said, mighty man of valor. And he looked behind him saying, who are you talking about, right? And he said, I'm talking to you. And Gideon said, you can't be talking to me. Here's what Gideon said. Out of the 12 tribes of Israel, our tribe is the last of the 12. In our tribe, we're we're the least family. And in our family, I'm the least. That means, Lord, I'm the worst the least possible person you could ever want. And Jesus looked at him and said, no, you're not. I'm going to use you. And Jesus used him with an army of 300. He conquered the entire Midianite army. And I look out here and I see the young people. I think of the young people in my family. And I think, man, nobody's going to stop them from doing what they're going to do from God. And guys, God's still going to use us older people. He'll use us all the way through, right? But we want to help launch these younger people. And I want to do something, Borman, I want us to do it here. Borman, you're loaded with young people too. Can we just give it up for our young people? Let them know how much we love them. Let them know how much we appreciate them. We believe in you guys. We're going to launch you guys to do what God's called you to do. Hey, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, I did my best to teach this part of the Bible. I thank you for every precious person listening to my voice. Lord, We thank you for the young people. We we pray, Lord, use us to help launch them. We thank you for them working in our midst and using their gifts in our midst. Lord, if there's any area in any of our lives, personal lives now, where we're putting up barriers, we're pushing people away. Lord, we want to do what Paul did, and we want to become a servant to people to win as many as possible. So show us where we put barriers up. Lord, it could be so many different ways. Show us so we can make changes. Lord, our heart's prayer is grow us. Lord, help us accept every person. Help us understand no perfect people are allowed. And Lord, what we value, we do. We ask you, Lord, make these things real to us so that we can grow and we can walk in these things. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And I believe this is going to be a powerful week in our lives where God's going to shine his flashlight in some areas. He's going to grow us even more. Lord, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closing, if there's anyone in Boardman, TCI, or here that has not yet met Jesus personally, may this be the moment in their life where they meet them. And I want everybody to listen. Listen, I'm not asking you to join a church or a religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. It doesn't matter if you didn't grow up in church and you're not even sure if God exists. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day in your life when you made it personal with Jesus? Jesus always existed, but he came down and he took an earthly body. He showed us and taught us all about God. We read some of the things he said today. And then he died so we can live. He sacrificed so we can live. And he said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. He said, you can't go to heaven by works, but if you believe in me, I will save your soul. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's what I'm asking. If you're listening, you say, hey, I'm ready today to accept Christ. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else, can we help them pray? Boardman, TCI here, let's help them pray. And and just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. 
And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. And I make a decision today to accept you and to follow you. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen up, listen up. Miracles happen. All your sins are washed away right now. God gave you the gift of eternal life. God's your father, heaven's your future home. You may not have felt a thing, but it happened. You know what else is happening right now? You can't hear it. The Bible says if one person on planet earth accepts Jesus, all of heaven begins to celebrate. God's celebrating himself and everybody in heaven is celebrating because you now become one of God's kids. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.